Welcome to the Lifestyle First podcast, discussing lifestyle medicine and making self-care as easy as one, two, three. One question, two research reviews, and three actionable health tips, all centered around the Lifestyle First method, your blueprint for the 10 key roots of optimal health and happiness. And now your host, lifestyle medicine physician and coach, Dr. Alka Patel. Hi, hey, and hello, and welcome to Series 11, Episode 5 of the Lifestyle First podcast. Now, the theme of today's conversation is S for sleep, sleep, glorious sleep. Now, what happens when you allow yourself to tap into your natural sleep cycles, not the nine to five, not the societal wake up early and go to bed late? What I'm talking about is your own natural cycle, your genetic chronotype. What happens? Well, back to when I spent seven days in silence, what I did was let my sleep cycle do what it naturally wanted to do. And what I discovered was that I needed rest. Oh boy, did I need rest, so much rest. And without all of that artificial light and the blue light from my phone, because yeah, for seven days, I really didn't use my phone at all. I didn't look at the clock. I didn't access any apps. Without all that interference to my natural rhythms, what happened was that I started to wake up late, 9 a.m., 10 a.m., 11 a.m. Now, anyone who knows me will know that that is not like me at all. I'm in, I'm up early. I'm on with the day. And I, I did. I, I used to even do morning consultations, which started at 6 a.m. But what I got, what I got, that alertness and the energy that I got just from understanding my own sleep and wake cycles whilst on my seven days of silence, it was pretty immense. Now, I get it. I mean, none of us are, of course, living in these beautiful mountains in Andalusia where I was. Most of us, many of us, we have urban lives. And an urban lifestyle means there's kids to drop off to school or morning meetings to go to. But knowing your chronotype, knowing your natural rhythms, it definitely allows you to sleep better. But it also elevates that productivity and that clarity that you want and that you need. So if you know that you're a natural night owl, even though you have to be up early for the kids or work, then targeting what you do by knowing your chronotype means that you can target your tasks that need clarity and decision-making to later in the day, which is exactly when night hours are more primed, or in the morning, which is when morning larks are more primed. So what does this mean? Well, it means that you don't need to go and sit in the mountains to figure out what your natural cycle is because you can test it. And that's what I do. That's why I test chronotypes on so many of my clients. And interestingly, the results might not be what you think. Because I always thought I was a morning lark. But when I tested genetically, my chronotype, I'm a night owl. Which I, which I didn't believe, but it took me going to those mountains to realize that, yeah, this is my natural rhythm. And I guess the reason I didn't believe it is because as humans, we are adaptive, aren't we? We're, we adapt to our environment. We adapt to the demands on us, which is a wonderful thing about being human. But to optimize 
being human to optimize, you have to tap in to how you're made. So look, if you'd like to find out your chronotype, have a test, then definitely get in touch directly with me. It's so, so interesting. So today's show, well, today we are, of course, talking about sleep, not specifically about your chronotype. But if you remember on last week's show, we talked about sugar. Well, this week we are talking about its best friend, spice. And more specifically, what's the question we're answering? Well, the question that we're answering today is which spices can help me to sleep better? So let me introduce you now to my guest today, who is Anna Woods. Now, what can I tell you about Anna? Well, Anna has worked in the music industry for eight years now, and she's recently completed her MBA from Cambridge University. But what she's now doing is she's going back to... What I can describe as probably her memories of when she grew up on her family farm in Norfolk. And what she's doing is launching a very, very exciting sustainable food brand. It's called Jux, J-U-X, Jux. And what it offers is what Anna describes as super sustainable seasonings. I'm going to say that again because I absolutely love it. Super sustainable seasonings. Amazing. Welcome, Anna. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Amazing. So look, we're going to be talking about the spice of life here, aren't we? And today's episode, of course, is focused on sleep. So we will be taking a deep dive into spices that support sleep. And we'll be talking about three very specific spices. I want to get into these because there's one spice that is well-known, And there's another spice which is lesser known. And there's a third spice when it comes to sleep that's really not known at all for its sleep properties that I do want to shine a light on uh, for its effect as well. So this is going to be a really interesting conversation. But I think before we get going, what I would love you to kick us off with is give us a bit of clarity because there's a little bit of confusion when we talk about things like spices. We also talk about herbs and you mentioned seasoning. So I'd love to know the difference. How can you clarify for us the difference between a herb, a spice and seasoning? Of course. So it can be quite confusing because people do use them interchangeably. Seasonings is really the umbrella term for herbs and spices. So if we're talking about dried herbs and spices, Spices are more the seed, the fruit, the root part of the plant. So it's more intense, more dense essential oils. And the herb side is essentially the kind of alive side of the plant. So this is the leaves, the flowers, the stems. Got it. Okay, that makes so much more more sense. So in terms of how the spices get to our get from the shells into our cupboards, there's a real process there as well. So again, before we get into the nitty gritty of these three particular spices, describe that a little bit for us as well. Take a little bit of the mystery away, I think. So, I mean, the use of herbs and spices really dates back to the prehistoric times. And back then people would air dry them or dry them in the sun. But fast forward to today in modern times, and I think this is more the case in the UK and less so in other countries, it's quite an intensive processing system. So the plant, um, the day it was pulled from the ground, for example, looking at a basil or another leafy green, by the time that's dried and reaches our cupboards um, in the current um, system, a lot of the nutrients and the flavour is erased. It's quite an intensive heat drying system. So a lot of that goodness is lost in quite an inefficient process along the way. 
Wow. So that's really important to know because we talk a lot about the value of spices and what they give us in terms of all their properties. But what you're describing is it might not all be what it seems because by the time we're actually getting them out of our cupboard, they've lost those properties. Yeah, exactly. And I think we're all guilty to this. Um, And one of the reasons I started the business is open our kitchen cupboards and there's herbs and spices in there that are over 10 years old. Um, And to be honest, that you know, the processes that have been used, you know, have been great because, you know, it's made it more efficient, more accessible. But I think now when really the focus today is on food waste and trying to reduce nutrient loss, we really need to rethink how we're processing these foods. And in my mind, it's very inefficient because only about 40 percent of the flavor and nutrition is kept. And so what we're looking at um, and what we are doing is introducing a new way of processing the foods so you can retain up to 99% of the original nutrition. So it's giving people more nutrition and more flavor. And it's more efficient because we reduce the amount of flavor and health benefits that are lost along the way. Wow, that is quite a claim, that difference from all of that loss to 90% retention. So I'm super excited for when when your brand launches and we can really start to experience this. Amazing. So it's definitely worth keeping up to date with what Jux is doing and keeping us uh, informed with that. So shall we get into sleep and and seasonings or spice? Let's talk about them as as the spices for sleep. That would be a, a great conversation starter. So I want to kick off with one that many of us will know about when it comes to sleep, when we're looking for things that can help support sleep. If you think about the data, I think about 45 to 50% of people now are reporting saying they have trouble sleeping. I mean, it's a huge number. It's a huge issue that's that we're talking about, either trouble falling asleep or waking up repeatedly through the night as well. And then even when you feel you have slept, you're just tired and not refreshed the next day. So let's zone in into three spices that might be able to help either with falling asleep or staying asleep and the first one is chamomile so everyone will know chamomile we know it's widely known isn't it it's widely known to to help uh, help with sleep it binds to these receptors in our brain our GABA receptors gamma amino butyric acid receptors um and that's what helps chamomile help us to sleep but what would you say is the best way to use chamomile because we come across it in so many different forms so tell us a little bit more about how it helps and what the best way to to utilize it would be. So um, I'm really glad you brought this up because this is, um, I know we've talked about this before, but quite a personal one for me. So um, one of the, I guess, steps along the way to my journey to starting the business is I used to have insomnia years ago and fundamental to me um, beating that was my diet and the use of herbs and spices um, as part of the process of me getting there. Um, and ca- chamomile is amazing, really. You know, I had no idea, but it, it looks like a daisy. It essentially looks like a daisy and it is yeah. all over the UK, but really originates from Egypt and Greece. So for chamomile, you need to use the leaves and the flowers um, and, and dry this. Um, and there's an antioxidant within chamomile called uh, apigenin. I hope I'm pronouncing that yes. correctly. Yes. Um, and really that helps you become a bit sleepier. And many studies have shown that this improves your sweet sleep quality as well. Um, and one study in particular, which I found really interesting, is if people were having chamomile twice daily, they were going to sleep on average 15 minutes quicker than people that weren't. So there's more and more evidence now about mm. the direct effects of chamomile on sleep. 
And that's really interesting because 15 minutes might not sound like a lot, but when you're lying there awake, trying to fall asleep, when the person next to you, all they do is put their head on the pillow and they're fast asleep, those minutes can make a, a big difference. And when you look at sort of sleep data, you know, ideally you want to fall asleep between five and 15 minutes from your head hitting the pillow, um, because then you become that person who doesn't really think about falling asleep. It just happens. So it's really interesting to know that it's making that kind of time difference for people to fall asleep faster. Exactly. And that can also build up over time. So once that becomes a habit and you can go to sleep quicker, you know, quick quicker over the years, you could then therefore be getting much better quality sleep. Yeah. Um, and it's not to say that this is the be all and end all for better sleep, but as an addition to your nighttime routine, it's a really, really great way um, to just relax a bit more. I mean, in terms of consumption, I think the best way is to have it in a tea. So um, if you let it infuse for at least three or four minutes, you can really reap the full benefits of the plant. Yeah. Yeah. That's really useful to know. Is that what you did? Were you having yeah. a tea? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think what you've highlighted there is important is that, that nothing is standalone. This isn't have a cup of chamomile tea and all will be well. It's use that to support other things that you're doing as well, because we're in, we work in such synergy, our, our bodies and minds, don't they? So as you're trying to allow your mind, which is often the main thing that keeps people um, awake is what's going on in your mind. Actually, the chamomile is helping to uh, get you into that first level of sleep, that stage one of, of sleep as well. Um, so it's really important to recognize that, that this is that sort of additive support that can make the difference. It can really can. Because again, if you look at physical environment and things as well, and the light coming in to the room and the temperature temperature of, of the room. And there's so many compounding factors as well. But I think you know, use, the use of chamomile, A, it's the comfort of it that it gives as well, isn't it? In that kind of tea format that you've described. But let's get back to its properties. It's got the, uh, got the right flavonoid in it. It's got the right extract in it. It binds to those same receptors in your brain that those sleeping tablets are binding to. And yet those sleeping tablets have got so many harmful effects. I'm absolutely a no-no to to taking um, sedatives and sleeping tablets because they don't give you sleep they they really don't help and they you end up with all the counter side effects the next morning in terms of that heavy headedness and really not even safe to drive but here you've got chamomile which is binding to the same receptors doing the same job but without any detriment to you yeah and that you know that's what I um I, I found fascinating when I started digging into this is, you know, these are tiny, tiny plants with huge impact. Mm. Uh, and I agree, I, you know, people have to take sleeping pills and it does help some people. So I'm not dissing it. But personally, I was very keen to try other mechanisms first. And I found making really small adjustments to my routine and lots of them, including this, made a really big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. We're definitely saying chamomile over sleeping tablets. No, no to, to the sleeping tablets for sure. All right. So let's zoom in on to the second spice then. So this is lesser known than chamomile. So what I want to talk about is saffron. So saffron is a lesser known uh, support for sleep because it's it, chamomile is very well known. Saffron though has got incredible properties as well. It's one of the most expensive spices, isn't it, that's available to us. So talk to us about the sleep promoting properties of saffron then. So I love saffron. Um, it's known as the sunshine spice. It's got a great colour and great benefits. As you said, unfortunately, it is more expensive. 
So this um, this spice is from the crocus flower. So you take the threads from the crocus flower, which is the kind of bit that sticks out of the uh, the petals, mm. and they're usually hand picked and dried for twelve hours. But saffron is incredible because more and more studies have found that it helps to regulate mood. Um, it also can release dopamine in the brain without affecting other hormones such as serotonin. Mm. And it's a really, really fantastic drug. It's more leaning towards the mood side. So it can help you be in a better frame of mind, more relaxed, and therefore hopefully less stressed when you're going to bed. Yeah. And that's important to remember is, again, if you look at uh, some of the reasons why people aren't sleeping, mood and overactivity and overthinking um, is a is a really important one. Anxiety, um, depression. And here again, you've got a very natural herb, a very special herb. Can you imagine all those little stamens that have to be hand picked to give you that thread and that incredible aroma that comes from saffron as well it's a really popular spice in indian cooking as well but in terms of its relaxation properties it's directly activating those neurons that are designed to promote sleep and it's directly shutting down those neurons that are designed to promote wakefulness and exactly as you say it's that effect on the dopamine which is so important um and there's been quite a lot of research around saffron that's coming through it's not widely been researched it's really difficult to to pull out uh, the research on it, but you've just got to speak to real people and understand the benefits um, of it as well. Um, mm. And there's an extract in there, isn't there? The Afron. Do you know much about the Afron in saffron um, in terms of its benefits? So are you talking about saffron and its benefits in, in just those threads or are we now needing to put it into some kind of capsulated form and, and have it as a supplement? What are your views or thoughts around that? I don't know much about the science behind it. And I'd love to hear more. I think that's one of the great things about herbs and spices at the moment is it's been used in medication for, you know, decades, years, generations. But only recently are there starting to be more and more studies into the direct health benefits of them. Yeah. So I'd be really interested to hear your latest uh, findings on saffron and the extract you mentioned. Yeah. And I think, as you say, you know, the research needs to happen, but it doesn't, it's not there at the moment. And yeah, so I think yeah. you, you just have to, you know, the most important person in the room is the person in front of you, not the whole wide population of the world. So really important to, to think about what that person in front of you kind of needs. So yeah, there was some research that was done at uh, Murdoch University where they took the saffron extract and gave it to uh, a group of people for 28 days and the other group didn't receive it. And of course, the sleep quality reported by the adults who took it um, was much, much higher uh, than those who didn't. They had less sleep disruption. So that if you're someone who's waking up through the night, mm. saffron might be better for you. So we've talked about chamomile, which is really good for inducing sleep. So if you're someone who's lying awake, finding it hard to fall asleep, first point of call, chamomile. If you're then someone who's waking up repeatedly through the night, second port of call, saffron. So, I mean, and that's fascinating, isn't it? Um, because there's all sorts of different reasons why people don't sleep. So I tend to take slightly longer than my husband to fall asleep. But when I'm asleep, I'm I'm gone, I'm dead. He could play a marching band in the room and I won't wake up. Whereas he falls asleep very quickly, but then he'll wake up in the night, you know, thinking about work and everything else. Mm -hmm. So it's amazing how these different spices can help different types of sleep quality. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I'm a real advocate talking of different sort of uh, types of sleep quality. I'm a real advocate for capturing your own sleep data. Uh, so I use uh, lots of my uh, clients and patients. I use uh, wearable devices and, and gadgets that really identify where in your sleep cycle the disruptions happening, because sometimes you're not aware of it, but your data will tell you. And then you can target what you're doing with a bit more precision. You might take loads of chamomile and say, this isn't helping me, but that's because your issue is later on in the night. Yeah. Right? So I think it's really important to really think about how do we target those interventions for the right reason. And yeah, some of that data can be really helpful to, to do that as well. So great. So now shall we talk about cryptic spice number three? <laughs> so this is a spice that uh, if you ask most people on the street, most people wouldn't connect it to, to sleeping. Uh, they'd connect it to other things, to helping me with bloating or with wind or with heartburn or with uh, even with sort of weight loss, um, perhaps. Um, and it smells great. And you know what I'm talking about yet? <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about peppermint. Mint. So how does mint possibly help you to sleep better when it's much more well known for its it's a pro properties for giving you more clarity, for giving you that, that uh, alertness. Why is it useful for sleep? So peppermint's a really interesting one because, as you said, you'd associate it with having it after a meal just to help with your digestion. Yeah. But actually, it's got some really interesting properties. And it's actually one of the herbs that we have more solid scientific information on. So this was used way back in the ancient Greek and Roman times. Um, and peppermint is a cross between watermint and spearmint. And it's mainly used to cure headaches and migraines, as well as being a muscle relaxant. So it contains an active ingredient called methanol. And this is a very, very good pain reliever. So if you perhaps get stress headaches or you're a bit stiff, um, perhaps you've got anxiety, which can cause tension in the muscles, then peppermint is a really, really good thing for you to try. Um, so one of the things you could do is put it in a tea, but alternative ways of doing it, uh, which I quite like to do, is making fresh peppermint sauce or maybe putting it in your soup so you can more easily fit it into your everyday meals and into your diet. Yeah, and that's, that's so interesting, isn't it? Because if you look at our lifestyles, a lot of people go from doing what they're doing actively, they're on their computer all day, and then they go straight to bed. Yeah. Or they've been sat on the sofa for, for the evening and then they go straight to bed. So, of course, you're carrying all this tension in your muscles. You're not really giving them an opportunity to relax. Along comes peppermint, which is what it does it do. It causes muscle relaxation. And therefore, if that tension in your body is something that you notice that you're carrying as you're going to sleep, Peppermint then is your go-to, isn't it? Because that's where it's uh, where it's working. It's that it's got those relaxation properties directly on on your muscles as well. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. What do you feel about the aroma side of things? Because just you know, rubbing peppermint leaves on your hands and and the aroma effect does that help at all? It, it's an interesting one. So it was actually used for toothpaste as well uh, at some points in time. I really like the aroma, but it does change when you cook with it. So mm. if you think about peppermint ice cream, for example, it's actually got quite a different taste compared to peppermint in your tea. Now, I personally prefer fresh mint in my tea, but I guess that's down to personal preference. But that's another great thing about this, this herb is that it's very versatile, not just in its uses, but it, in its flavor. 
Yeah, no, I love that. So we've got peppermint, the leaf, and we've got yeah. peppermint, the dried herb, and you choose, right, which uh, which works better for you. Yeah, yeah exactly. Amazing, amazing. Love that. So we really have, I think, untangled three really key spices and identified where in the sleep cycle they might be most helpful for for anyone who's listening. So this has been really, really fascinating and really lovely to just zone in um, on what is such an important topic. And I'm really looking forward to to your work and and your uh, what you're launching and developing. But before we leave, shall we leave everyone with those three actions, three things that people who are listening who really want to use spice in a way to help their sleep and learn more about spice can do straight away. And now, here is your lifestyle first prescription. Your three activating actions to take you from knowing to doing. Great. So my first one is um, fitting herbs and spices into your weekly veg targets. So for example, are you aiming to eat 30 different plants a week or just get your five a day? Remember, herbs and spices can very much form part of this. So think about one addition you can make to your daily routine that will increase your intake in um, herbs and spices and help you achieve that goal of sleeping better. So is it putting peppermint in your tea? Is it putting chamomile and peppermint together in your tea? Is it making saffron risotto? Is it making saffron mash? You know, there's lots of different small ways you can incorporate that into your daily routine. And actually one thing I should mention, which is really important is if you're using dried herbs in cooking, make sure you cook it for about 20 minutes and that will just give it time to rehydrate. And then you can get the full benefits of the flavor and the nutrition. Oh, that's really useful information. I love that. Mm-hmm. And the, I love the way you've made this practical and just build herbs and spices into, into your day. And that kind of sense of target is how many herbs and spices can I get into my cooking today and include those chamomile and saffron. They're there for your, for your pleasure as well, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay. Number two, what's action number two? So number two is what herb and spice habit or food waste habit can you erase? So for example, we've all been there. You buy fresh herbs. It comes in a plastic package, which isn't great, but that's another story. And you maybe use it once or twice and then it starts to go off. So quite often people just chuck them away, which is a bit of a shame. So can you take that and make it into something else, reducing waste, but also then giving you a really tasty extra addition to your meal. So something I like to do is when my parsley's going off, I'll chop it up, chop it up, put it in some oil, stick it in the fridge, and it will last about a week. And then you've got a really tasty nutrition boost to just chuck on a salad or something or a lunch that week. Oh, and we're all guilty of that. You know, I'm raising my yeah. hand to that as well. We've all done that, found those herbs sitting in the bottom of the, the fridge drawer thinking, oh, if only I'd used them or done something with them. So, and it takes a moment, doesn't it? It's not going to take long to chop up your parsley and and mix it with some oil or freeze yeah. whatever, whatever so fresh easy. herbs you've got. So, yeah, right. freezing's a great one as well. Free- freezing's a really great one. Yeah, yeah, no, love that. Brilliant. Okay, action number three, because these we can we can start today. Yeah. So number three is more based on the recycling side. So one of the things we really care about is all packaging being 100% recyclable and also trying to reduce the amount of packaging we use. So a lot of us in the UK, I think one in four have herbs and spices that are over five years old. So, you know, not only sadly, I know I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm there too. Um, Cause you don't want to, you know, you don't want to throw them away. So they just sit in the cupboard and you don't use them as much. 
So, you know, not only is it making sure you actually use the raw materials in there, but also think about the packaging. A lot of that packaging can't be recycled in modern day councils recycling systems. And obviously a lot of councils are different. So just really take note before you're chucking it in there. Can it be recycled with your local council or do you need to take it to the local supermarket? Perhaps just think twice before you do that, because a lot of this packaging is really old, so therefore can't be recycled. Yeah, yeah. No, you raised some really important points, which come back to your whole vision for your organisation and and what you're developing in terms of those, the sustainable seasoning, super sustainable seasoning. So lovely, lovely. I'm sure there's a lot of people who've learned a lot today and really want to follow what you're doing. And when you do launch, want to be the first to know how to get these super seasonings. So how are people going to be able to find you, Anna? Um, thank you. So across socials, we're at Jux Food, which is J-U-X. Uh, our website is juxfood.com. And I would love to talk to anyone that's interested or wants to find out more. So my email is Anna at juxfood.com. So get in touch. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, and I'm so excited to bring this product to everyone and, you know, share the love. Yeah. Oh, no. Amazing. That's very, very generous of you to to share your availability because it's such an important and interesting uh, topic and area to, to work on as well. So thank you. Thank you, Anna. I'll put all of those links into the show notes for everybody. Please, please, please do keep up to date with what Anna's doing and what Jux Foods are doing as well. They're here for our, for our health and to get us the highest benefit we can from what we put into our mouths as well. So thank you so much, Anna, which now leads me to wish everyone listening a happy, healthy day. Thanks for joining us on the Lifestyle First podcast, making self-care as easy as one, two, three. Don't forget to subscribe and share, and we'd love it if you'd be kind enough to leave a review. To learn more or to arrange a consultation, please visit www.dralkapatel.com. See you next time.